the book of Romans chapter 15, uh, which really hones in on this theme, and it says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of all, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope. God is the God of hope. And God's plan for us and desire for us is that we live this life overflowing with hope. I want you to notice the word overflow. God wants us to be living this life, not just with enough hope to get by day by day. God wants us to be living this life with so much hope that our hope overflows and so becomes a blessing and help to other people too. That's the plan. I was reading a story about a uh, uh, little league teams playing and there was, it was the, the top of the first inning and the team that was batting was up 16-0. And one of the guys who was watching the game was sitting near to the dugout where the, the, the other team was, and he leaned over to one of the players there, and he said, uh, don't be discouraged, son. And the little boy looked up at him and he said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't got a chance to bat yet. I like that kid. There is always hope, but sometimes life can seem really bleak. And throughout the history of the church, we have had the audacity to offer hope in the face of trouble. Last weekend, Saturday of last week, we were uh, remembering 9-11. We were remembering 20 years ago and the events of 20 years ago. Now, I know some of you were, some of you weren't born then. Some of you were too young then to remember those things. For some of us, every image still brings back vivid memories and kind of pierces. But I don't know if you'll remember this. 9-11 was a Tuesday. On Sunday, September the 16th of that year, churches around this country were packed, were packed. And not because there were waffles and ice cream for breakfast, <laughs> right? Churches around this country were packed because in the middle of some of the darkest hours that most of us had ever lived through, people were desperate to find hope. And they knew the place they would find hope was connecting with God. Hey, it was like that last year. On, on, uh, on March the 16th last year, Sunday, March the 16th, we, we were not permitted to have uh, church services in person. And what we did, as many of you know, was for six months. Um, I would come down here. There's a small group of people here with me, uh, and our band did the, the worship set, and, and, and I preached, and there was nobody here except the back where all the sound and, and video and everything else, technical stuff, because they were part of the faithful team that helped us do it. And, and that's, that's, how we, that's how we did our services. It was a scary time. You're kind of almost afraid sometimes to touch anything or to, you know, you know our hands got ripped apart by uh, 
by, by, by hand sanitizer every 60 seconds, whether you needed it or not. And it was, it, was a, it was a scary, crazy period. Do you know in April of last year, Easter Sunday, over 5,000 people watched our service online. Over 5,000 people. You know why? Because when people need hope, they actually know where to turn. And you might be here this Sunday, this Sunday morning because you need hope. And you've come here hoping that this is going to be the place where you can find hope. And if that's the fact, I want to tell you, I've got good news for you. Hope is at the heart of the Bible message. Hope is at the heart of the gospel. The center of this all is that Jesus died for us. And that he, when he died, he was buried, but that he rose again. And in his resurrection, he gives us the promise of eternal life and, and, and of the possibility of becoming part of his family. The gospel is based on hope that in what was the, the darkest hour for Christ was not his darkest hour. And if God could bring his son back from the dead, then is there anything he can't do? God is the God of hope. Wherever Jesus went in the Bible, he brought hope. He reached out to the people around him who were in all, all kinds of needs, whether it was a crippling disease, whether it was death, whether it was despair, whether it was a spiritual hunger or an evil attack. Jesus would meet people right where they are and everybody knew if Jesus is here, there's hope. If Jesus is here, there's hope. Let me read you Matthew's gospel, chapter 18 and verse 20. Matthew 18 and verse 20 says this, when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Jesus said, if two or three of you are there and you're there because of me, you're there to meet with me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Here's a question, it's not a trick question. Does that mean Jesus is here today? Darn, you're good, right? Right? No, really though, really. And where Jesus is, there is hope. That was the story from the days of the gospel to this very day. Where Jesus is, there is hope. Now, you can't see Jesus here today. You won't directly hear his voice. But since Jesus is here, hope is here. I just want to remind you, that's why church is vital and not optional. We, we were in Colorado last weekend, as, as some of you know, and we went down to visit our grandson who's in school down there and to watch his football game uh, last Saturday. And uh, we flew, Jill and I, over to Colorado, and then our son uh, flew over from Texas. And we met up there and had a few days together. And... For us, it was like a four-hour flight. For Jonathan, it was less than a two-hour flight from Texas. But he's driven it several times. Uh, and when you drive from where he is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's about a 12-hour drive. You go right across Texas, which he tells me is the majority of the trip, actually. You go right across Texas. Then you go through some of New Mexico. 
and then you go into Colorado. But he's telling me in, in New Mexico, uh, he was fascinated. He'd never seen it before. Driving through New Mexico, he said, it's absolutely incredible. There's nothing there. There's like prairie. And there's nothing. But he said, the, the, the thing you've got to realize is there is nothing there. So you don't run out of gas in New Mexico because you've no idea when or where the next gas station will be. So he said, every opportunity you get, what you do is you top your tank up, top your tank up. Even if you think you don't need it, you top your tank up because you don't want to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere running on empty. Listen, we're all in this position. Whenever you can and every opportunity you can, you need to top your hope tank whether you think you need it or you don't. So I'm making this statement on Back to Church Sunday. Let me remind you, you need church. And I need church. And if it becomes something that we pass off or then we become in the habit of not actually going to church, the truth is our hope tank is going to go down and down and down. Now you may say to me, I thought Jesus was everywhere. Yes, he is. Nice job, Einstein. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. While Jesus is everywhere, there is a very special sense in which we connect with God when we're worshiping together. Is that true? You know, there's something special about corporate worship and being together to worship. So I just want to remind you and encourage you. Where Jesus is, there is hope. And I'm going to tell you, hope is here. And I'm going to invite you today to make a fresh commitment to yourself that this is somewhere I need to be. Or else one of these days you're going to be out in the middle of nowhere, running on empty, and it won't be good. God wants us to overflow with hope. So let let me run through a couple of things quickly that I find in the Bible about hope. Number one, hope is a pursuit. It's a pursuit for all of us. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul talks to the Ephesian believers about their condition before they put their faith in Jesus. And, And he says this, remember, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. Look at the last bit. Without hope, and without God in the world, without hope. He said, don't forget how life once was. You were without hope and you are without God. And I'm going to tell you, those two things go together, without hope and without God in the world. There is little hope in this world. Now, I'm not trying to be pessimistic and I'm not trying to paint a gloomy picture because that is not my nature anyway. And, but the reality is this. We live in a world which doesn't offer a lot of hope. And, you know, you, you turn on the news and you listen to stuff there or you read 
read stuff from one of your apps and stuff there. There is so much that would drain us of our hope and could cause us to be afraid and could cause us to despair. There's not, there isn't much hope in the world. And I'll tell you what, you won't find hope out there. I'll tell you where you'll find hope. You'll find hope in God. You'll find hope in God. I was reading something last night. This was in a seminary, which kind of took me by surprise. But, but they, there was a whole group of students, and there was a, there was, they, they posted a photograph of this and said, today we decided to do something different, and we confessed to plants. Okay. In a seminary. Now, I know people say, well, you, you know what? I, I've got my idea of God. I think God is this. I think God is that. I, I was remembering, I was remembering uh, when I was finishing Bible college, that was kind of a seminary style. We were there preparing for ministry. But in the final, the final semester was interesting because here we were feeling that, you know, God was calling us to be pastors, um, but we needed an opportunity and we were getting near the end of sem the semester and nothing was really opening up in the denomination we were part of. And then one day I got a call to go to the principal's office, which had happened before. So, um, so I go to the principal's office and he says, um, so he said, Roger, what are, you, what are you planning to do when you leave? So I said, well, I, I'm looking to pastor a church. So he said, I think that would be a good thing. And... Uh, he said, I've got a letter here from a church in the northeast of England looking for a pastor and asking if there's a student that's graduating this summer that I could recommend to them. And he told me a little bit about the church. It had been a good, strong, functioning church. It had declined over the years and was very small now. But he said, I think you could help to really grow that church back. What do you think? I said, I'm prepared to go and take a look at it. So, things happened. I got an invitation from the, the, the lay leaders in the church to go and to meet them. And I, I went to this place and I went up one weekend. I, I conducted the services. We had Sunday morning and we had Sunday night. And then we sat down and they interviewed me. That was quite interesting. I remember them asking me, how old are you? It was two weeks after my 20th birthday. But I wasn't going to tell them that. So I said, I'm in my 20s. <laughs> I was. I was in my 20s, right? So I said, I'm in my 20s, and we left it there. And so they chatted with me, and then they said, well, we'll be in touch with you. That was it. I went home and whatever else. About a week later, I get a letter saying, we've decided we're going to have a church meeting and vote whether we want you to be the pastor. So it's going to be on this particular night, and uh, we'll call you. So... The night came and I wondered and uh, I got a phone call. I told you it was a small church, right? So even less people bothered to show up to vote whether they wanted me. So they said there were 12 people at the meeting and 11 voted yes and one voted no. So we'd like to extend an invitation to you. I wasn't going to go actually because I thought if there's one person that doesn't like me out of 12, they could be a pain in the neck. And when I was 20, I didn't quite know how to deal with pains in the neck as well as I do at 71. So, but I did. 
They chose me. And that's where we started off in ministry. They got to choose their pastor. All that to say, you don't get to choose your God. You don't get to select your God. There is only one God. There is only one God. And whatever you may think, well, I think God's like, I don't care what you think. You see, I try to live by what the Bible says. You know, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, before God gave Israel the Ten Commandments, here's what he said by way of introduction. I am the Lord your God. Okay, you, you, you're wondering who God is or you're trying to say, well, I think this is how God is. Here you go, here's the news. I am the Lord your God. God is God. God is God. And the fact is, without God, you will have no hope because there is no hope in this world. Without God, you will be without hope in this world and in this life. Hope and God go together. Without hope and without God go together too. And life can drain us so much that if we don't have a significant God and hope connection, it becomes very hard at times. Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Weariness robs us of hope. So where do you find hope? Well, hope is a pursuit. And I do want to say this. If you're looking for hope today, you're in the right place. Here's what Jesus said. Some of you will know those, these words well. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary today, Jesus says, come to me. He acknowledges that life is heavy at times. It's hard at times. So many stresses, so many pressures, so many things pulling us in different directions. And Jesus gives the invitation, if you're weary, come to me. It's an invitation for those that are hopeless or tired or anxious or defeated. And he gives us a solution. So here's what he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, Yoke is not part of our everyday language and life unless we spell it with an L and no E at the end. And uh, the yoke of an egg we're familiar with. The yoke that Jesus was talking about was the thing that was used in the agricultural setting in his day of when people were plowing fields or doing tasks on a farm and they would use oxen. And they would always use two. And they would pair two oxen up and they would put a, a, a big wooden thing between them on their necks. And that kept them together and it kept them in step with one another and it gave the farmer a means of controlling them. And what Jesus is saying to us here is this, if you're tired, pair up with me. 
pair up with me. Because he said, you know what? When you're paired up with me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you pair up with Jesus, you know what you discover? You discover that some of the things that were squeezing the life out of you suddenly become so much easier and so much different. You know why? Because the hope you're looking for is right there in Jesus. Right there. So, so, so hope, hope is something that is a pursuit. Let me, let me just uh, emphasize this second point, though. Hope is a person. Hope is a person. It's not learning a mantra. It's not embracing a set of beliefs. It's establishing a connection with a person. That is Jesus. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 17 and verse 7, it says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. Verse 17 of that same chapter, you are my hope in the day of doom. You are my hope. It's a personal thing. If you're weary, whether because of what's happening in your life just now, things you can't control, or maybe you're just anxious about things that you're responsible for, I want to tell you this. There is hope today, and the hope is in Jesus. Because when He is close to us, hope is here. There's a, there's a story some of you will be familiar with in the 11th chapter of John's Gospel where uh, a family that Jesus was particularly close to sent him a message that their brother Lazarus was severely sick. And Jesus was a, um, a few days' journey away, and he stayed where he was. And when he eventually got to Lazarus' home, which was in, in the village of Bethany, by the time he'd got there, it was too late because Lazarus had died. And Lazarus' sister said this to him. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If Jesus had been there, there'd be hope. But Jesus wasn't there. He didn't come. And if you'd been here, things would have changed. I love what Jesus said to her. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. It's never too late when Jesus is there. Some of you maybe need to hear that this morning. It is never too late when Jesus is there. If you will connect with Jesus, the fact is Jesus brings life out of death. Lazarus had been dead for days, but Jesus called him out of the grave and he came back to life. And some of your dreams and your ambitions might have been dead for days and weeks and months and years, but I still want to tell you this. Jesus is the one who brings life out of death and he can change the most difficult of situations. Hope is a person. It's in Jesus. 1 Timothy 1 verse 1 says this, I, Paul, am an apostle on special assignment for Christ, our living hope. Christ himself is our living hope. And if you will 
Commit your life to Christ and come alongside of Him. Jesus is the giver of hope. Hope is a pursuit. Hope is a person. Now, now, now I just want to finish off by saying this. Hope is a proclamation. Now, I, I cringe saying that because I know probably some of my family, mainly children, will give me a hard time saying, Dad, who talks about proclamations? I do. I do. I was taught when I was in seminary, if you, if you, if you break your, 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 your sermon down in, in, into points, if you, can, if you can make them a little bit sort of alliterated with the, same, with the same letter, it's good, right? So hope is a pursuit. Hope is a person. Hope is a, what I'm trying to say is hope is the message of the church. But that don't start with a P. So hope is a proclamation. Hope is, a, hope is what we've got to share with this world. It really is. I, I, I've been addressing much of what I've said so far to those of you who, who today may need to fully embrace Christ and find the hope you need, but I just want to spend a couple of minutes here as we finish and remind everybody here who knows what it is to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus that hope is the message of the church. It's what we've got. It's what God's given us. The church is the hope of the world. It's the message we share. Church is not just the place we come to. It's the base we move out from. And we move out from this place, hopefully, overflowing with hope. So that in our interactions and conversations with other people, we don't add to the gloom and doom and the negativity and despair that there is around about us, but what we actually do is we help to pour some hope into the hearts of people who desperately need it. That's what we're called to do. That's what God has called us to do. Our role is not, never was, to judge and condemn. Our role is to lift up and to offer hope. First Thessalonians 5 and 11 says this, encourage one another and build one another up. Hope is here. Thank God. Some of you are already living with the knowledge of Christ as your living eternal hope. Some of you haven't fully discovered that yet because faith has not become a personalized thing. Let me just close by sharing this verse from you, from Jeremiah 29, 11, which applies to every man, woman, child in this building today. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God wants for every single person here today. Every one of the children that's through in that, those other areas, every one of you joining us online, God says, I know my plans. My plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. My plans are to give you a hope and to give you a future. So if you are weary today, 
and burdened by life, my encouragement to you is get close to Jesus and find rest. You don't have to do this life alone. And that's what gives us hope. Let's pray together.